Hey, podcast fans, I've got to talk to you about drinking water. As an archaeologist, I've been on surveys where we had to drink three to five liters of water every day. That's 1.3 gallons just to basically not die. Sometimes that water just doesn't hydrate you as quickly as you're using it. That's why we've partnered with Liquid IV. The small packets make it easy to take one with you to work, to work out or on any adventure. I like the strawberry lemonade and lemon lime ones the best. Just put one stick of liquid IV into 16 ounces of water and get hydrated two times faster than with just water alone. And now with our partnership, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code ARCPODNETFEED at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration Today using promo code ARCPODNETFEED at liquidiv.com. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my trowel. Hi, you're listening to episode four of And My Trowel, where we look at the fantastic side of archaeology and the archaeological side of fantasy. I'm Tilly. And I'm Ash. And today we're going to be talking all about werewolves. Oh, but I don't know anything about werewolves. Oh. That's not my specialty at all. Okay. Um, Maybe we can find somebody to help us. Okay. Do you know anyone? I think I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, David, Ian, how are you there? I'm here. Yes. Well, isn't that convenient? (laughs) I know everyone. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, David, Ian, Hal, who I believe happens to be a specialist in the archaeology of dogs. So indeed. Perfect for this particular yeah. subject. <laughs> Not exactly werewolves, but yeah, dog, dog bones for sure. I mean, close enough. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. So obviously we're, we're heading into a fantastical realm, fantasy universe. Do you enjoy reading fantasy? I haven't read a book since Chronicles of Narnia, but I do enjoy fantasy. Well, that was fantasy, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no, but I, I love fantasy. Like, I mean, obviously Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite things. I got a tattoo mm. of it and just... <gasps> D and D, like I play, yeah, do all that. Yes. yes Which so tattoo do you have? Uh, I got Boromir recently. Oh, yeah, oh. underrated character. Definitely. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. <laughs> and D and D, you said, do you play like in person with a group? Over like during COVID, I played a bunch like over uh, Discord, and then yeah, like when my friends get together once a year, we do like a big long like day long session. Oh, that's so fun. Cause I'm really do- bad at it because I can't count dice, but <laughs> I'm also terrible at counting dice. <laughs> my friends just have to call it out for me because it's just it takes too long for me to figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hang on, what? Isn't all the numbers on the dice? Yeah, but it's like adding. I can't add. I'm what? really bad at it. It's adding and like dyslexia for me because I'm like, is that five or is that three? Like, I don't. Uh. Yeah. Sure, you can use that to your advantage, especially if it's online. You can be like, yes, it's totally an 18. <laughs> yeah. But have you, have you done D&D yet? Yes. Yeah, I've done a few campaigns. Yeah. Um, I'm not great today. I'm not a great actor, but I do love it. And I'm obsessed right now with Baldur's Gate 3. So, oh, okay. which is the game. Okay, <laughs> I was about to say, speaking to someone who is completely... <laughs> on the computer. <laughs> yeah, so I'm obsessed with that and Asterion and all that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm a big D&D fan. Excellent, excellent. I do have to like D&D. I mean, D&D was also a bit of the, the sort of inspiration for this podcast, I suppose. It was inevitable mm-hmm. that we would both be interested in it. So, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. So, that is the sort of the, yeah. the favourite, the top fantasy book or series, or are there any others? For me, yeah, Lord of the Rings. I don't know if Dune is considered fantasy more than sci-fi, but I would say that too. Uh, Game of Thrones, I read all of that. Well, all of that that's out. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of other fantasies. Like, uh, yeah, I just really like 
whenever stuff like that comes on and it's, it's well made, I, I like it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, I mean, yeah, Lord of the Rings for me. We spoke about this in our first episode. Lord of the Rings is definitely, I think. Mm-hmm. The, sure the we yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tolkien wrote the book and after everything like that, it's, it's kind of difficult yeah. <laughs> to be unique and different. I think you said right. Came up with all the different kind of characters and stats and like everything really. The law is fantastic. So everything else after that is kind of a little bit of an imitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even in Star Wars, it's pretty influenced by Lord of the Rings. I mean, mostly Dune, but yeah, um, yeah and samurai culture. But true. Yeah. I, I think it's quite a, like medieval fantasy Star Wars. Actually, you know, it's hero and then they have troubles, but they always prevails yeah yeah true religion (laughs) big part yeah i don't know if you guys have watched ahsoka or like any of the new star wars stuff i haven't yet i'm so desperate too sorry oh you're good the witcher's (laughs) fantasy dave filoni the the guy who makes all the new star wars stuff like he's the our lord and savior filoni is what people call him but um (laughs) he uh he loves Kurosawa and like the original like Darth Vader Obi-Wan fight was like supposed to be like a samurai like oh. duel but of course as technology got better they made the fight scenes more crazy but he brings it back to like a Kill Bill Kurosawa looking like artistic nice. fight and stuff yeah it's really good yeah. Mandalorian as well yeah oh, I love I also Mandalorian haven't seen that yet. Oh. I need to yeah. catch up on a bunch of watching <laughs> just been <laughs> way behind for I have like three pictures of Rogo in front of me right now so <laughs> yeah. I love him <laughs> True, I forgot. You ha- don't you have a hoodie with him? I have a hoodie. I have two pairs of slippers. Um, <laughs> I have oh, wow. three of stuffed animals of him. Well, stuffed Yodas. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a lot. I really love him. Well, okay, so it seems that indeed we are fantasy aficionados. But bringing it back to the sort of, is it classical fantasy werewolf? I don't know. But anyway, the the, the fantasy of, of uh, non-star uh, related uh, subjects. Yeah. I want you, Ash and David, to imagine yourself in the middle of a pine forest. It's very dark. It's very cold. Even though it's the end of summer, there's already snow in the topmost branches. And whenever the wind picks up, a dollop drops down onto the moss-covered ground, occasionally also onto your head. You've been tasked with excavating a gravesite, which was noted down in the scrolls before, but the exact nature of the grave seems to have been glossed over a little bit. It's a very vague site report. And as you dig, you start to notice a kind of pattern, but it's a bit confusing. So the burials all include grave goods. These include carved bone pendants, stone beads, some scraps of leather clothing even, because the preservation in the colder ground is really excellent. Weirdly, there doesn't seem to be anything like cups or beakers, which you might expect in this particular time period, and also no kind of hunting weapons. But the strangest part is the identification of the bones, because they are a mixture of human bones and what appear to be large dog bones. So some burials include just human, some just dog, but some have like a mixture of the two. You are tasked with finding out what could this mean? Is it a ritual site dedicated to dogs or pets or something similar? Has there been any post-depositional disturbance that has caused the mixing of species? One possible interpretation that has been suggested tentatively by one of the students on the dig is that maybe it could be an old werewolf burial site. So that is uh, the yeah. situation. It's going to be hard to get peer review on this one, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends who's doing the reviewing. If it's, you know, the wizard in the local university, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> we might have a shot. <laughs> but, uh, so I was wondering if either of you knew anything about the origins of werewolves and the werewolf myth. Uh, Ash, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah. 
I know you get bit by a werewolf Mm -hmm. and in the first full moon you turn and then if you sample flesh you turn into a werewolf for the rest of your life Mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I mean that's that, I, that is correct that is the general i mean yeah. that's a sort of the established sort of fantasy fictional depiction of a werewolf i guess in, mm-hmm. in this time do we know anything about the history of werewolves uh, maybe our dog expert can come in or maybe also <laughs> not so much so the oldest like depiction of werewolves they think might be in the epic of gilgamesh mm-hmm. which blew my mind and there are a lot of there's like lycanthropy is the word, which is like I, I think it's just the fusing of like humans and wolves, like as like a like a scimitar or not scimitar, centaur and uh, <laughs> we're about to summarizing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were those called uh, that are like goat man people? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, the guy uh, from I know Hercules. what you mean, but I don't I know. Seder. Seder, yeah, that's right. Oh. So werewolves kind of fall into those like categories like cryptid fantastical things but yeah and it really picked up in in europe especially in the middle ages with christianity as well because they could attribute it to like something demonic and they had a common theme that way but like every regional culture like even in east asia have werewolf you know folklore and even like in indigenous america as well which is pretty interesting though it super varies here and it's not always about wolves though right like i know that some of times in africa it's hyenas or something and it's a lot of polar bears in the arctic north america uh, i didn't know about polar bears but definitely hyenas in africa are always associated with witchcraft which is oh. interesting yeah because oh. they're cunning and creepy but <laughs> yeah. yeah so and epic of gilgamesh what is the date of that i feel i should know this but do you happen to know uh you know off the top of my head i don't know i will say it's bc <laughs> that right. i am going to quickly look this up uh, and then we can pretend that we knew all about it uh, 2100 to 1200 bc okay so yeah. a while back Yes, quite a while back. And that actually goes even further back then because what I had sort of vaguely looked up was about ancient Greece, so the sort of 2nd century BC, and there's a myth regarding Mm. King Lycion of Arcadia who somehow managed to get on the wrong side of Zeus, which, depending on who tells the story, I mean, there's lots of ways to get on the wrong side of Zeus, right? Um, There's there's lots of variations (laughs) into how these happen. But basically, in most of the stories, he's turned into a wolf in some shape. Is that where lycanthropy comes from then? Probably, (laughs) I assume. Uh, Yeah, I think... I mean, there's lupus as wolf in, in Latin, but I, mm. in Greek, it might be... I know the African wild dogs, the genus is Lyacone, so that comes from that, but yeah, okay. it might be some language over there. Yeah, and you mentioned it in lots of parts of the world, so it's also mentioned in, for example, the Prose Edda and other Icelandic sagas, so that's around the 13th century AD. Um, okay. They talk about shape-shifting from men to wolves, although... It's depending on the translation, which I found quite interesting. It's unsure whether they're taking on like the skins of wolves in terms of like wearing the pelts on the hides of of wolves, or actually like going into the skin of a wolf, so like becoming a wolf. Which you know, I guess depending yeah. on how you interpret uh, <laughs> these these sort of things. But so, have either of you read many many books or, or watched any many series that focus on on werewolves as a as a concept? I can think of two. Do you guys have any? Yeah, I can think of a few as well. I mean, uh-huh. one that immediately popped into my head was Twilight. Of course. <laughs> yeah, right, Twilight. Well, that's like, I mean, you know, it's the biggest one in the, what, early 2000s and 2010s. Um, yeah. 
how you doing, Luca? You know, like everyone knows, <laughs> knows it, um, unfortunately. But <laughs> Harry Potter is the one that comes to, to mind for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, uh, a big one. with mm-hmm. Remus okay. Lupin. We should have gave it away, but I was too young. Right? It's one of those things that when you look back at it as an adult, you're like, oh. (laughs) Gotta give us something. Vader's father should have figured that out, too. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Were there uh, there any other? So, uh, we have Twilight. We have Harry Potter. You you both mentioned you had a few. Any others, Ash? Um, Supernatural, the TV show. Right. Yeah, because I watched that when I was quite young. And then... You know, it talks about silver bullets, um, how to kill certain werewolves, mm-hmm. um, blood moons, oh, right. everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van Helsing for sure. And then oh, Teen Wolf over here. Yeah. Oh, Teen Wolf. Yes. True, yeah. true, true. Yeah, that's also a good one. Which, Van Helsing yeah. is an awesome movie. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to watch that again now. <laughs> now that you've mentioned it. It's a huge Jackman, right? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Just classic steampunk, like proper proper old style. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, me want to watch it. The music lives rent free in my head. Da, 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 da. Oh, I can't even. I'll have to listen to it again. I was about to say, oh, I have not. to listen to it again. It does. It's so good. All the listeners will like be stopping my like, podcast. <laughs> you would like get on a horse and go slay something. Well, of course, my favorite depiction of a werewolf has to be, guess the author, Ash. Oh, God. No, don't put that pressure on me. Of course, there's werewolves in Terry Pratchett. Oh, gosh, of course. How did I forget? In case you don't realize, David, I'm slightly obsessed with Terry Pratchett as a fantasy author. And I managed to wrangle him into every single episode because he has a lot of books and there's a lot of different fantasy concepts in them. So I will definitely be wrangling that into this episode as well. But indeed, point is, it's quite a, it's quite a sort of a big, a big part of fantasy fiction. But weirdly, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, we've mentioned a couple of books, but it doesn't actually seem to be that big a concept. Like considering the rich history and considering that it's present all over the world, in terms of modern fantasy fiction, it, it's not as popular. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I don't know. I think there's quite a lot of like those kind of shifter books that are quite yeah. popular in romance mm. and fantasy. Animorphs. Yeah. Oh, yes, animals. Yeah. Oh, they were so good. Yeah. I would say, I know in medieval Europe, for sure, like werewolves, it was like, or in Gilgamesh, he was worried that Ishtar, I think is the, the goddess, like was tempting him. And he was like, well, she'll tell me to a wolf if I give into this. So that was like the thing. And then, but in medieval Europe, men were persecuted as werewolves, just like women were as witches. But I, mm. I imagine women were more persecuted than, than the men, unfortunately. Okay. In medieval Europe. But, but it kind of went that way. And I think because of that, it's why it's not like a super prominent thing. But I would also argue like it still persisted. We're still talking about werewolves and it's like a common fantasy trope so i guess it is a it was in a recent black mirror episode actually which i guess kind of gives away the ending but that's yeah, I, I mentioned to my husband that we were doing the werewolves episode he was like oh there was a black mirror episode about that. i was like oh okay cool yeah that's it really threw me off guard because they're usually like pretty realistic and i was like what yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and, and actually i now you mentioned the whole Witches for women, werewolves for men thing. I can definitely remember at some point in high school, we read some version of Little Red Riding Hood, but like an adult version. And the whole thing was like the wolf was supposed to be a metaphor for, you know, men preying on young girls and all this kind of stuff. And then the werewolf myth apparently like Uh, came from that and all as well, which I mean, it seems to be so many different ways that the werewolf myth came about. So I never know which one 
to trust gotcha. in them. Gotcha. No, it makes total sense. I never thought about that because in Indigenous America, men who prey on young women are like called wolves. Oh. Um, and there's like Navajo beliefs in it too. Like, I guess Navajo are the most populated ones here. Like there's interpretations. Like, did it come from Norse mythology when the Norse got here? And it's like, I don't think that happened, but like they probably had their own. And then there's other... You can't technically say the words because that brings them to you, and I don't want to offend anybody, but there's there's ones in the eastern woodlands that climb through trees, and there's others oh. that can't remember the other one. Out here, there's like shape-shifting and stuff, and yeah. there, it's definitely uh, still a thing that on the reservations, it's still like talked about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I think actually, well, probably, we'll probably talk about that later, either in this episode or next episode, because I have more notes on that, but I don't think we can get into it right now. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and it would be, it's, it's great to have you here, David. It seems that you're very knowledgeable indeed on the topic. I see an inn coming up, so maybe we can make ourselves a bit more comfortable there. We'll get settled and we will be right back, everyone. Oh, what a lovely inn. So <laughs> I feel like I need to work on my acting skills. So David... Thanks for joining us again, uh, now that we know a little bit more about werewolves. So what I found really interesting, starting to think about how you would actually tackle this problem, there's so many different things that I never really thought about, but then when you think about it from an archaeological perspective, like for example, werewolf bones. So when they change, everything internally must change. I don't know if either of you have ever thought about this, but this was something that I was like, oh... Uh, I guess, yeah, like as a someone who does bones a lot, like you, it would depend on the transitional stage where you're at. Like, are you half wolf at the moment? Or are you full blown wolf? Do you have like longer, you know, front limbs and the back limbs? I think that's usually the case. Like, they're always hunched over. Mm-hmm. You would have trouble determining for sure, like the age and sex of the skeleton. Yeah. Or, like, is this a human with cancer or is this like a wolf that ate, per- like, I don't know. It'd be the bones would be all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because, especially because I was also thinking, indeed, if they're transitioning, like, does that mean that there's some bones that are half human, half dog? Like, would that work? <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe it's like a cartilage situation. Everything just turns to... To mush. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. Because, like, if you... To dig them up, you'd certainly be confused. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, in your career as an archaeologist... Have you have either of you ever encountered anything uh, similar to this? I don't know, at animal burials which were mixed with other things or seemed a bit odd? Um, found in an Oregon Trail homestead site in Wyoming a giant like garbage pit Always that good. had tea kettles, a bunch of shotgun shells, some like cast iron, and then a really bizarre, for some reason, porcupine skull that was preserved perfectly <laughs> that had, like, stuff tied to it. It was really weird. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like ritual to me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it was probably just some kid, and the parents were like, throw it out! <laughs> so I guess, actually, your experience of digging has mainly been in, in areas where uh, bones haven't actually preserved as well or do you also find bones no i found animal bones i mean i've dug big sheep pits full oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> i've also uh, i found a horse once um That's but cool. it was just yeah it was just a post-medieval horse like someone's horse that we're using on the farm uh, must have died and yeah it was just dug up and well, they dug a grave and put it in there and it was just a little pony thing and there was a few cows seen a few cows one of my favorite stories was that i've not found this <laughs> this is just a story um and newest there's a guy who was digging a hole to put his car in 
and um, farm. Wait, wait. With car. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> you said that as if that's like, oh yeah, you know, well, you, you dig a hole to what? Get of it somehow. It's difficult on an island, so you <laughs> dug up his croft and he put it in his car in this hole and a crofter came along and had a dead sheep and was going to bury it and was like um can i can i just put my sheep in this hole and the guy was like yeah no problem and so what he did instead is that he got the sheep and this is a bit i don't know <laughs> some people might not like this i put the sheep and he put it in the driver's seat and he put his little, little hoofs on the pen <laughs> pedals <laughs> pedals on like the gas and the clutch and, and then like positioned it as if it was going to be driving the car so he thought that in the future oh, I get up and be extremely confused and <laughs> I wish I hope I'm alive for that because that would be amazing <laughs> was that in the UK? yeah it was in um, the island uh, what, South Uist which is uh, just up yeah, uh, Scottish Island okay Interesting. I mean, they'd think like, wow, the sheep must have been so developed. <laughs> like, oh, that would just perpetuate all the stereotypes of like human and sheep interactions on these island communities. Hey, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. Not to say. you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, but but that's what I mean. It's ruining the reputation. <laughs> it's a good story, though. I think uh, I would, I would absolutely love for someone to find that because then you'd have to call the police because you wouldn't be sure if it was a sheep or a human and then the police would turn up. That would be similar to this situation because you'd be like, well, it's a skeleton it's driving, but that doesn't look like a human skeleton. Yeah. (laughs) Or like a built-down man situation. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had a werewolf burial, you'd still have to call the police because, I mean, if it's in the UK, I don't know elsewhere, but in the UK, you always have to call the police if you think it is anything remotely human. I know people have called it on a pig burials and stuff because sometimes they're so similar. Yeah. (laughs) And the police turn up and go, oh, yeah, Yeah. that's definitely old. (laughs) And how does that work in America then, David? Could you find something bizarre like that? Or like human... If all bizarre, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but sort of human burials. Uh, if it's a human burial and it is like historic or post-contact, then like you can do whatever. If it is okay. pre-contact, then you have to consult with the tribes and see what they want to do with it, or like reroute the project kind of thing. Mm, okay. But if they have something crazy going on with it, I don't know who you would call. <laughs> um, the corner, and then we come investigate. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that's, that's why they're <laughs> well and so because another question that i had when i was thinking so uh, i in the scenario that we have here it's a it's a burial site but would werewolves have actually had burial site and you might know a bit more about this david are wolves i mean they in my mind they're nomadic but are, are they would they if they were werewolves would they have a settlement would they be just kind of roaming around mm. uh, what what would you say uh Wolves don't technically bury each other. Like they, they'll throw dirt over each other sometimes, like just really? so it doesn't smell. Or they, to like cache it sometimes. Like if they're really hungry, they'll eat. <laughs> like uh, or they'll cache other animals too. Like I saw a, um, someone's dog like throwing dirt over a coyote, and she sent me the video, and she was like, "It's so beautiful. He's burying the coyote." I was like, "No, he's gonna eat it later." <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah. you're technically not incorrect. <laughs> he's just <laughs> marinating it. <laughs> But ruined yeah. the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she made a whole post about it, like twenty five thousand oh. likes, and I was like, nah. oh. uh, I felt bad, but um, just wanted to be scientific. But it was cool. 
Yeah, I, werewolves. It would depend, you know, on how much more primate they are than than uh, you know lupine. So it would be if and do they have social gatherings? Do they have customs? Like I, I don't know. I've never seen like a a triumvirate of werewolves like talking politics together to figure that out. <laughs> Well, you'd, huh. you'd think they'd run in a pack of some kind. They would emulate wolves in, in some way, right? With yeah. With a bit of humanoid kind of social and um, society and stuff. I didn't read Twilight. I read the first one, but I, <laughs> I didn't see I'm not reading my them. whole thing of Twilight. <laughs> are, there, are there like groups of werewolves in that? Because I've never seen... Um, yeah, there's the Kulet tribe. I think it's... I, I'm Forgive me for the pronunciation. I'm not too sure. It's based on uh, different indigenous tribes i know that was a big issue um, ah, okay. yeah so i think there is but i think it's it's kind of othering and it's not helpful um uh, but in other kind of books and fantasy scenarios you find there is the kind of t- typical lone wolf but then uh, you also have ones that have a pack and they unfortunately emulate that kind of alpha kind of stereotype but that's not true and that's not how wolves interact or in the world there's um, a fantasy series called deborah harkness does it and she um a discovery of witches and actually weirdly oh. enough the vampires that's emulate, wolves as well. yeah <laughs> the, the vampires emulate wolves <laughs> instead of werewolves oh. and they kind of move around in a similar way in similar fashion and actually part of the, the storyline is to find out about wolves and the blood of wolves and how people move around and why they're not kind of why these creatures like demons and vampires and witches aren't reproducing anymore. So that's actually quite a good one, <laughs> even though it's vampires. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with wolves or werewolves, I should say, uh, and whether they're in their group pack dynamics. But yeah, I guess if we were to like play along, like I would say there are probably some pack dynamics if they're, if they're multiple but burials not sure unless it was somebody well i guess here's an option like to to go with ritual if it was a loved one that turned into a werewolf and you had to shoot it or something or like the town went with pitchforks to get it you might have to bury it ceremonially because you're like a human yeah well yeah i mean and people do bury vampires in strange ways like with the stone in them all the vampire burials yeah yeah, Yeah. and that would make sense then because this isn't then necessarily the burial site for a werewolf pack it's maybe the burial site related to a village that has been hounded by a werewolf so therefore this is the place where all of the victims are being buried because yeah like you said they've maybe had to be shot or something Mm -hmm. so that could be an interesting then we'd have to look at if it's a deviant burial Mm-hmm. So and what is a deviant? What is a deviant burial? <laughs> a deviant burial is when you find a burial that is completely out of the context of the society. So, for example, the vampire burials that you find a lot of time, you find them in Scotland sometimes, or witches' burials. They often have a stone either in their mouth or on their chest, mm-hmm. and the scene is really? deviant because yeah, they also alter really cool. if it's a Christian society. So it's usually buried what east to west. They often alter the chain like the alignment of the burial as well um or they'll put it outside of consecrated grounds so you can find sometimes unfortunately like women that die in childbirth they might be buried somewhere else and they're kind of really yeah in early medieval period and anglo-saxon period yeah they are um they're slightly treated differently and we don't know why that's a bummer 
I know, right? <laughs> right? As if you yeah. haven't had enough like trauma. <laughs> yeah, it's like as if, I don't know, it's something to do with their life ways and how they view perhaps women giving birth mm. or how they view the child as well. It's just so, so interesting because yeah. in Mexican mythology, you go to like essentially their Valhalla if you die in childbirth. <laughs> like it's, really? Yeah. That's cool. Oh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> you live with um, Cuistilopochtli, who is the sun god. And you live with like the men who died as warriors and the women who died in childbirth, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, as someone who has experienced it twice now, I can say yeah. <laughs> it, it's compatible <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> But, yeah, props to you. I, I could never do it. <laughs> I mean, luckily, you don't have to. I don't think I could True. Uh, it's not, I mean, yeah. Well, anyway, let's not get into that. Let's not get into that now. But, uh, yeah, this is about werewolves. Werewolves, indeed. Um, and the, so the other question was, indeed, would they be... So, okay, let's... So one interpretation could be that these are the victims, then, of, like, werewolf attacks. But what if it was, indeed, like, a werewolf pax burial ground or whatever? Would... Are wolves, in general, do they move around a lot? Do they have kind of a settled... I don't know what it would be called, den or or something that they kind of mainly stay in? Yeah, they... Kind of like human foragers, they just... They just go around. I know the ones that are tagged in Yellowstone, like they can walk forever. Like, I mean, Yellowstone's pretty enclosed. It's Jurassic Park, but like you, <laughs> you can track where they go. But then when packs like leave Yellowstone and go like kind of rogue, they can end up in Idaho or Montana or Wyoming or Southern Wyoming and uh-huh. Colorado. So, which is why the wolf thing is a, a big political issue here. Oh, okay. But yeah, they, they can wander pretty far, but they do have their dens and then they switch it seasonally for the oh, most part. Yeah. 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 And because you mentioned, indeed, that's quite similar to how kind of early hunter gatherers, it's assumed that they would have, would have, you know, lived, right? Like they, they wouldn't necessarily have had settlements. Yeah. Had. And that's like a big thing of my, my, I guess, proselytizing of, of ethnocynology is just like humans and wolves are so similar. Mm-hmm. And they would have, like, I guess humans going into Eurasia would have noticed like wolf behavior and kind of felt like kinship with it because it's pretty similar. Hmm. Yeah. Which I guess is why. It's kind of like werewolves I see, kind of like Bigfoot. So, not to not to distract, but you have Bigfoot myths, or like the Yeti or the Sasquatch, which are, you know, we fear we're not, we don't want to be back to our hairy primal state. But mm. like the the greys, like the aliens that are tiny and skinless or hairless and big eyes, that's like how a chimp looks at us. So we kind of are scared. <laughs> Of what we're not in the future. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we're in, but yeah, it's like, I just find that really fascinating because they're always the same kind of tall or tiny, skinless, sorry, hairless, not skinless, um, <laughs> things. <laughs> Naked is what I'm going for. <laughs> Huge brained things. But for werewolves, too, it's like we, in Western canon and like mythology and just culture, and it's definitely Christianity perpetuated this, but wolves are like a very persecuted animal. Whereas mm-hmm. in like Mongolian mythology, like you are humans and dogs share kinship with wolves. Like we come from the same origin huh. in indigenous American mythology, like wolves are super revered. So are dogs. So the persecution of wolves in Europe, because it just got so populated and wolves were everywhere would kind of turn into like why werewolves are a thing. If that makes sense. Like you're, huh. you're scared of becoming something that's persecuted. Yeah. 
Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, now, okay, this is an interesting discussion, but I see that it, there's a bunch of orcs have uh, just entered the inn that we're in, and they don't look very happy, so maybe it might have something to do with that group of elves in the corner over there, so maybe we should uh, quickly take cover momentarily and regroup once things have, have died down a bit, yeah? Yeah, sure. Okay. I think that's a good idea. I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> okay, so uh, sorry, everyone. We need to cut short this episode of And My Trowel, but don't worry, we'll be continuing next episode with part two. In the meantime, as always, if there's any suggestions that people have for an episode that they may have gotten from a fantasy book, or maybe there's an archaeological concept that you don't understand that maybe we can explain through fantasy or something in a book that you might want to find out as an archaeologist, just get in contact with us via email or social media. All of our contact info can be found in the show notes. Oh my God, watch out for that. Axe. Wow, damn. <laughs> <laughs>This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.